but you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you hoped you'd never hear again. I am Dave! Nothing like the classic. It is the classic opening. Um, was that? I think that was the original opening, wasn't it? Yep. Hey, this is an open letter, and I am Dave, in case you haven't listened before, or if you have listened before and you happen to forget, I'm Dave, and I am the host of the podcast, An Open Letter. And it's going to be a fun episode tonight, I believe. It's a beautiful June evening outside here in front of Lake Lancer, which is a small little pond outside of where we record. And I have with me across from me my good friend wearing a block Michigan hat, which I'm a big fan. Go blue. Michigan just had good news. Oh, did they? Yes. If you make under $65,000 a year beginning in 2018, it's tuition free. What? What? Shut the front door. What? That's awesome. That is very cool. That's awesome. Um, so, Chad, it's your way of saying hi, giving us good Michigan news. Yep, of Yay. course. All right, of course. Cool, cool, cool. cool. I can make that my thing if you want to give you good Michigan news every episode. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, and we have to my left, my lovely wife, Carol. Hello. Wilson hyphen Tisma. <laughs> and we have a special guest with us tonight, straight from Wisconsin. He's actually still in Wisconsin. It is my Facebook friend, Mr. Jonathan Butrin. Well, hello. Very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So how many podcasts have you done before, Jonathan? Um, I have hosted quite a few podcasts up in the 20s, but this is my first time being a guest. So I hope your listeners will bear with me tonight. Oh, I think, they'll, I think they're going to enjoy this uh, because you're gonna be, uh, we're going to be talking about movies. And we're going to yes. be talking, you run a blog slash podcast website where you review movies from a faith-based perspective. That is what I do. Yes, it is called Cinema Faith. And uh, yeah, that's just me. Yeah, yeah. So we start our podcast the same way every time. We start it with an, a little segment we like to call Off the Cuff. Oh. Okay. And so I literally thought of a question on the way here, and um, <laughs> we just kind of all answer it. That's just kind of how we start the show, just kind of light and fun. Chad that is plays, Off the Cuff. It is Off the Cuff, hence the name. So the question for tonight is this. I'm not trying to be morbid, but you can only pick someone who's who's died. If you could watch a performer that you that you have never seen before, but you wish, man, if I could see this person in concert, I really would love to see this person in concert. Whether it's time travel or whatever, I don't know how you'd do it, but man, if I, I would love to, if I could see this person in concert, I'd do it right now. You say in concert, so I'm assuming you mean a musician. A musician, yes. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. Yes, seeing a musician or a band that is no longer together or is deceased. So it's not possible to see him now. Who would you choose? Chad Cashman. You know, I always thought Janis Joplin had oh. a phenomenal voice. Now, I'm not very familiar to her music, yeah. but I think to see her live would just be incredible. I think that's a good answer, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good one. Jonathan Butrin, do you have an answer for this? Oh, man. Um... I wish you hadn't put the cap on deceased. There's so many bands I wish I could see that I probably won't. Like Radiohead, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to see them, and it's probably not going to have her happen. But okay. um, 
Hmm. I would have liked to have seen David Bowie. I've Ooh, recently gotten yeah. into him, and uh, really? I've really enjoyed some of his earlier work. So um, I guess that'll be my answer. It would also have been fun to see the Beatles uh, when they were together. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The Beatles, of course, being a great answer. Um, fantastic answer. And David Bowie. Ziggy Stardust stuff or like. Uh... Yeah. Ziggy Stardust <laughs> and uh, Hunky Dory. That's kind of. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get into his more obscure work. But uh, yeah, those are classics. Yeah, he's. Uh, it was interesting some of the acting he did later in life. Um, oh and, yeah, and the uh, he was a couple movies, right? He was Dad. in the Prestige. Yes, he was. Uh, and was others, but that's the one that most comes to mind. Yeah. Oh, he's in the others. No, he's uh, no, other no, movies. not the others. Oh, are there? I know he was in. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Labyrinth. Yeah. Labyrinth. He was yeah. the. He did the thing with a crystal on his hand. You know, he could wave his hand, and the crystal. Did you remember that? Did you see that, Jonathan? Uh, no. Can you be more specific? Um, <laughs> Labyrinth. It was a Jim Henson thing, and there was all these different Muppety things all the way in it. And, uh, nope. Nah, Sorry. Anyway, he had, he had this tricked out it. 80s it's hair. Cool. Yeah. So, nope, not me. Carol. Well, those are good answers. I like those. Those are good answers, but you um, have to have one of your own. Probably a silly 80s band that you wouldn't like, like the Cars or the Talking Heads. But oh, they're all still yeah. alive. They don't. They don't. They don't. They're not together tour. anymore. I don't they don't think, perform so. together. I have one. Psycho Killer is a great song, by the way. Yes, it is. Which group yeah. is that? That's to- the uh, Talking Heads. Yeah, Talking Heads. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay, sorry, my bad. Um, do- David doesn't like them. I oh. well, I know it's disappointing. It was back to my fundamentalist upbringing because they were considered a bad group because they made fun of speaking in tongues. They did. Well, they did. to be to be fair, David, I also grew up with a pretty Baptist upbringing, and so I didn't start getting into secular music until very late college, like late college. Yeah, so me too. I'm, Same here. I'm very with there with you. Yeah. All right. Yep. My answer is, even though I'm not, I, I don't really listen to this artist now, and you certainly could, um, is Frank Sinatra. Ah. How fun classy. would? Yeah. I mean, how cool would it have been to say, yeah, I saw Frank Sinatra in concert? Well, not. You don't think so? <laughs> no, really. Uh-uh. I do. Yeah, amazing performance. It, it would have been fun to to uh, listen to Frank Sinatra sing and have him watch the mob, him sick the mob on somebody and beat him up. That would have been fun too. Oh, you think so? No. Oh, I got one. I got one. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now this might not count, but I would have liked to see throwing in a little Christ in here, some DC talk back in oh. there. Oh, Welcome to the freak show game. Come on, you Jesus freak! Yes, I think yeah. that they are an excellent band. I was really disappointed when they decided, oh, we're going to get back together. If you want to pay money to go on a cruise, that and see us. was not. Cool. It was a slap in the face. I remember reading that we were because they really made it seem like there was going to be some yeah. arena tour, and then you read this announcement and you're like, "Really? Yeah. Got to be kidding me!" Now it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. Although one of the guys from DC Talk is from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Kevin Max, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Max. There you go. I once saw him do uh, some like poetry thing in Grand Rapids, and uh, yeah, uh, he went into the bathroom right. He came out of the bathroom right after me, and I was like, "All right, that's <laughs> happening. Great." <laughs> um, now you've you've been to the fair city of Grand Rapids, then I hear. So you're, yeah, I, you're I'm saying. from Grand Rapids. Oh, I yeah. oh yeah, you went oh. to Cornerstone, didn't you? Yes, I'm a graduate, mm. proud graduate of Cornerstone University. And um, yeah, I moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I am now, after about two years after college. So up until that point, I was born and raised in Grand Rapids. I thought I'd live there my whole life, but my wife had other plans. As they often <laughs> do. Of course, you run this website, uh, Cinema Faith, and have the podcast and all that. Is that what you do for a living, or is that kind of a oh hobby? I wish. I thought yeah. so. I thought, you know, I would immediately put this website out there and everyone would come calling and I'd be like, well, I'll just be able to do that. But no, <laughs> that did not happen. 
I work <laughs> in the mortgage industry. Uh, I kind yes. I work in the banking industry, so I uh, I've been calling people today about HELOCs. How about that? Oh, sure. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway. Um, it's a pretty segmented industry, so you kind of know your role. And uh, yeah. so people ask me about interest rates and stuff. I'm not quite up on that part of it. But basically, my job is when you are going to close your house, um, you have to sign a bunch of paperwork. And yeah. so my job is to make sure your paperwork signed correctly and that the money for your loan gets to your to the closing table on time. That is my exciting job. We are called the wow. funding department. Ooh. And yes. you put do you put the fun in funding? That we say that every I single know day. You I'm do. not kidding you. Yeah, it is our do. mantra. Yeah. As well, you should. Is that, you, you know so what you guys, my role in banking is? Uh, taking What's that? money out of the bank? No, paying overdraft fees. You should oh, really yeah. not do that. Oh, <laughs> really not do that. That's a joke, by the way. Yeah, it's sort of. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we've had some heavy podcasts lately, and so we. Uh, yes, it's we kind have. of fun to have a little bit of a lighter podcast here. Uh, we've been talking about fun topics like infidelity and betrayal, mm. things like mm. that. So this is kind of nice to kind of lighten it up a little bit. But yet, it is important, I believe, because yes. movies rake in just millions and millions. Are we? Would it be wrong to say billions of dollars a year, Jonathan? Oh, absolutely. Especially if you factor in worldwide gross. And not only that, but people want to see them. Whether you're a Christian or not, everyone loves movies on some level and mm-hmm. likes going to see movies. And so it affects everyone. Yeah, the inter- it is important. The interesting thing is because when, you know, I'm an old man, I'm going to be 50 in about a month and a half. Oh my and goodness. yeah, I know. When I was, <laughs> Jonathan, how old a man are you? Uh, 31. All right. Oh, he's like yes. a young pup. Just a young pup. Um, yes. So I don't know why I pulled that voice out, but there it is. <laughs> um, when I was a kid, there was one way to see the movies, and that was to go to the movie theater, and Grandma would have a bag full of popcorn mm. that she would have made at home, and we would just bring that in. Nobody's questioned the seven-year-old woman bringing popcorn into the movie. Never happened. But <laughs> you saw them in the theater, and you might see three movies a year. Mm. And then with the advent of v- the VHS tape. And VCRs, and then blah, blah, blah. I mean, certainly people watch multiple movies. Some people watch a movie every day, which is crazy. Well, this is something that I do lament is I, and I still love the theater experience. I think there's nothing more magical than the theater experience. I, too, grew up watching movies in the theater, and it's something that still is so special to me. And I I agree. It's gotten more towards the uh, video-on-demand realm, and I think it's sad because I think seeing movies in community is part of what makes it magical. So, Jonathan, we talk about, and Chad, uh, our producer, he and I came from the same church. We grew, we were in the same church for many years, and mm-hmm. we could, it really wasn't, there was no ban on seeing movies. You could see movies, no. just don't see the, don't see R-rated, and don't see horror. Yeah, there are just certain movies you just didn't go see. You don't see the sexy yeah, ones. Yeah, but when you're coming out of the theater, people don't know what you went to see, and you're supposed yeah. to avoid all appearance of evil. Yeah. <laughs> well, so oh. you, couldn't, you couldn't watch Porky's in the 80s if you were a Christian. That was like a sinner movie. But if that sure. was in the theater, nobody knew what if you had seen it or not when you were coming out. Well, Quit being a Debbie Downer. <laughs> so, Jonathan, I, 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 let me yeah. ask you this. Do you remember the first movie you ever saw? Oh, my goodness. As a, in the um, theater. Um... <laughs> No, I do remember that my babysitter, when I was way too young, let me watch, for some reason, Sleeping with the Enemy with Julia Roberts. That <laughs> wow. was a big controversy when I was young because Yikes. I told my mom about it, and she was oh, no. like, what? And so, yeah, that that's like the earliest memory I have, and I knew I was not supposed to be watching that. <laughs> and then you made the babysitter the enemy. That's what yeah. happened there. <laughs> Chad, no, I mean, my earliest yeah. movie memory. Yeah, it was tell me. more like a movie nightmare. 
What oh. was it? The Exorcist. Oh, oh my goodness. How old were oh. you? Oh, I was about six, seven years old. It was oh, on dude. HBO. No. And, mm. um, yeah, my sister kind of looked like the girl. Oh. And so in my nightmares, my sister was the woman, and she was like, Bleh. and they got sucked oh, into yeah. the floor and I see, all I sorts of crazy stuff. Jonathan, stories. have you ever seen The Exorcist? Absolutely, yes. Oh, it, really? I know. I'm gonna. All right. It's probably a controversial opinion, but I don't think it's as scary as it was hyped up to be. And maybe that's just because I'm come from a different generation. But you know, when I finally got around to seeing it, which was around college, everyone said it was definitively the scariest movie ever made. And I would not say that. But but it is a good it is a good movie. Yeah. Okay. All right, Carol. Do you remember your first movie experience? It yeah. came later. It was well, last week. No, actually, no. <laughs> my first movie experience was probably around third or fourth grade when I was staying over at, at a friend's house and we went mm. to the movie theater her mom took us and we got to see Dumbo. Were you, mm. was that, because that had some um, elements in it. There's the whole LSD scene with Dumbo where there's the fantasy scene that they all go into there and yeah, it's all I very trippy. Yeah, I was completely oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> you were drunk. No. Um, so Dumbo. Yeah. All right. And my first one was a Disney film with Dean Jones in it, and it had something to do with a troop of Boy Scouts. What? I don't know the name. But at the end of the movie, I remember thinking it was really cool because they showed like how they, what they all grew up to do as the end scene credits were rolling. They were like, Johnny became a lawyer. Freddie became a felon. I don't know. It was something like that. <laughs> it wasn't quite like that. I, my memory might be skewed. Um, Jonathan. Yep. First question for you, really. Oh, oh boy. Your, your site's called Cinema Faith. Yes. This, Carol, I'm going to let you ask this question. It's your question. <laughs> I just kind of threw this in there at the last minute. Just curious about the name of this site. Does that mean you have faith in cinema? Well, you know, I came up with a bunch of different names, and I felt like more than anything, Cinema Faith really rolls off the tongue. I had a whole bunch mm. of different ones, but like that's the one that just kind of came out so smooth. And uh, <laughs> I was is also was one that wasn't taken, so oh, uh, that was that's important. Factor. That is important. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and it, it just means uh, basically I, I like cinema because that goes back to that idea of what I was talking about with the movie theater, and and you know back back when I had just a blog to myself i had a big picture in the backdrop of people in a movie theater because that's movies to me and then the faith element is just recognizing the uh the christian part and our tagline is movie reviews and commentary through a christian lens so put all that together and yeah i think you kind of get the cool. gist what were some of the other titles that you had i'm kind of curious now Oh, man. I had a list of like 50. It was a long time ago. I don't remember uh, any uh, to put, to be honest. I'm sorry. I don't have any That's all right. classic I, ones. I have one okay. I think you probably had on there, and I'll, I'll bring back memories. Movies God Likes. That was probably one of your titles. <laughs> that's good, actually. That's good. <laughs> what would Jesus watch? Oh, there oh, it is. Uh, drop, listen, drop the pen, walk away. I can't I drop the mic. I found my old WWJD bracelet from Did when you? I was in high school. So, yeah, it's uh, great. That is awesome. Very cool. This is a serious question for you. On your movie, in your in your title of your show, of Cinema mm -hmm. Faith, I'm wondering why you replaced the letter C with a hubcap. Oh, it's not a hubcap. Or is it a dartboard? That board? is a film reel. Oh, a film reel. Oh, <laughs> dang, man. Oh, dang no, it. I was so no proud sense. of that. I'm, you could, you oh, would no. not believe how long we spent 
at that graphic. And that, by the way, is an original <laughs> film reel. We did not copy that anywhere. And, and I can't take any credit for it. That is from my friend who helped create the website, Dan Baker. He's a website designer by trade. And we tried so many different angles on that. And that just kind of happened one night. We spent, were like literally huddled around the computer for four hours. Like, we got to get this. And it and it was there. And it was perfect. And it was just like a miracle. So, yeah, I'm very proud of that. I know it's Dan, not a hubcap. I know Dan on, Baker. Dude. I know Dan Baker. You do not. I, I went to school with Dan Baker, but there's thousands of oh, them, I'm sure. Oh, okay. But anyway. That's well, very common. when he said something yes. about Hubcap, I didn't know what he was talking about, so there. I, I was just being <laughs> silly. I knew it's a film reel. I just thought it was a funny, <laughs> just a silly thing to say. It is. We've been over a year, so it must have been August of 2015 is when we launched. And mm. yeah, the podcast element was just me to start, and then my friend and I started doing it together, which changed the dynamics so much because you could actually have a conversation. So I'm the podcast is actually the thing I love the most um, to do personally. I just love having a conversation about film just kind of off the cuff. But um, yeah, the website launched, I think, August of 2015. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's when we started. So why why did you start it? Why are you doing this? Because I, well, I know how long it, it takes time to put a podcast together and do this. Mm -hmm. So why are you doing this? I have loved movies my entire life. My mom and I, it was like our way to bond together um it was, i didn't have a dad growing up met him when i was in college and so oh, wow. it's just me and my mom and saturday afternoons uh we would just watch movies we loved going to movies so it was like my my life and then also i i loved jesus my whole life i, I did the old uh um asking into my heart on the on the bed when i was young you know mm -hmm. and uh but even still like i really i think it was because i didn't have a dad growing up and the bible talks about god being a father to the fatherless i i mm. really felt just a presence of god in my life from a very young age i just remember distinctly lying on a grass climbing in the tree and and just feeling god around me and so so god's been a part of my life uh ever since actually milwaukee or when or when we moved here we stayed with my wife's parents for a bit and that's when I really started taking faith to another. I mean, there's a lot of different progressions that right. I made with my faith. But when I actually read the Bible in a year, um, mm -hmm. and actually I'd never done that before. I was basically relying on daily bread for the whole daily devotion oh, yeah. thing. And when I actually read the Bible cover to cover, I suddenly had a bazillion questions. Yeah. And uh, that took me on a huge journey of theological journey where I really uncovered, well, I had to really figure out what I believed. That My wife had given birth to a second kid at that point, and I uh, felt like I really just wanted to, instead of saying, oh, when my kid had questions about theology and this is what this guy believed, or this is what my old pastor believed, I wanted to be able to say this is why I believed and why I believed it. And so I went on this journey where I basically tore apart everything and started over and was like, okay, what do I believe about the problem of evil and sovereignty and women in right. ministry and every theological topic hell and you can think of so once that became a that became a huge passion and so coupled with the passion i already had for film and then i just it was natural to combine the two i had grown up like looking at movie websites i was a i was on rotten tomatoes when that thing started man i was i had to have been in they the were early still like fresh 50 tomatoes people at that time. startup group of that site 
Wow. So cl- I was so grateful for that site. That, that still am grateful for that because there's no better way to weed out good from bad movies. But anyway, so but I also was avidly going on Christian movie websites growing up, and I was disappointed. I was just disappointed in what was out there because there was always yeah. these. They were always seemed to have kind of an antagonistic nature towards <laughs> movies. Like they would yeah. review them for a living, seemingly, but there was always like this. Oh, here's another Hollywood disaster. I guess we'll have to tell you what to watch out for and why to avoid it. And it's like even really great movies like Schindler's List or something, they would downgrade because they would just look at the raw, you know, well, there's swearing and well, there's violence. What's like, yeah, it's the Holocaust. I mean, what are you going (laughs) to do? So I just wanted, I so long growing up, I just always had this longing for something to exist that actually took move, that actually seemed to, where people liked movies and where grades weren't based on objections content but they mm. went deeper and were actually focused on the quality of the films but still incorporating what I loved which was biblical truth and uh, theology so that's kind of been a lifelong dream and then I met a guy at my church who's a website designer and I told him and he was like let's do it and it just sort of came together so that's the big long story sorry cool. to talk for a long time no that's all right we're used to that on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right as you're talking there I'm curious is like so you, you grow up, so there used to be there, like you kind of mentioned, this you know antagonistic feel between mm-hmm. the church and Hollywood, which yes. seems to have been much, mostly mended, I would say, in a large degree. Um, it, why do you think that it was like that? Because I totally remember it being like that as a kid. It's like, well, yeah, we, we went to the movies, and you feel like you kind of need to apologize for it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you did. Well, you certainly did because that was a sin. <laughs> but for me, it's like everyone went and saw them for the most part, but everyone felt slightly embarrassed or guilty that they enjoyed them. What do you think's going on with that? Well, I still, I don't know. I would question whether it's fully mended or maybe it's just around the circles that I'm in because I still have, you know, kind of one foot in more of a progressive direction and one foot in con- in the world of conservative um, Christianity because that's where a lot of my family still is and my wife's family. And so I don't know. I still feel a little bit of that stigma is there. I mean, I think it just comes down to kind of Gnosticism that is has crept into the church and never left where we divide the sacred and the secular and, and we say, well, you know, what is really beneficial is when you read your Bible and when you pray. And yeah, you can go see a movie movie, but I mean, do you want Jesus to come back when you're in a movie theater? I mean, there's better things to do with your time, right? And so we divide everything between sacred and secular. Same with occupations. We say, you know, a missionary is great. Yeah, yeah. you can be a janitor in the mortgage industry, but, you know, I mean, what if you were a missionary? And, and so I just feel like that's totally wrong. I think that that God has, um, that creation matters, that uh, art matters. God is is the ultimate artist. Look at, just look outside your window and see what God has created. And we are made in his image, and I think our art reflects his image. And there is so much truth that's embedded in art and in story. And so I think the sacred secular divide is a real shame. And the same thing happened with music, you know, yeah. growing up. And um, and I, and I feel like, uh, I, yeah, I'm grateful to have broken free from it. But I do still think it's it's there in a lot of circles. You know, I was thinking that when you look at the past of the church, I mean, there were church. There was a church here locally in Grand Rapids that. They dug in its old, it's a really old church too, I don't remember the name of it, but they dug into the past of that church, and they found a minutes reading where the uh, board of deacons rejected electricity, because they thought it was sin. 
So I think the issue isn't so much is the church mending the relationship with Hollywood as much as it is that the older generation that see things that way, they're starting to move on. You mean yep. die. Yep. When you say move on, you mean die. <laughs> Pass on. Oh. I was trying to be gentle. Well, Thank you, Dave. I'm just here to spread the truth and love. Uh, but but I still see, you know, articles come across my newsfeed from very popular um, Reformed theologians. I won't drop names, but there's still articles about, like, Netflix and being leery of spending too much time on worldly pleasures like movies. And, I mean, I still see it from, from people who have millions and millions of ardent followers. So I don't know. I don't know. I, well, yeah, I, I have a hard time saying that it's mended, but I do feel like there's a growing group of us that uh, are reclaiming it, which is good. Yeah, absolutely, because for too long, um, the church kind of got, got away from the arts, and we're like, the arts are our enemy, and they would throw a lot of that under the bus and different artists, which I think you've seen that, Carol. Yeah, I think that that's still a pretty predominant attitude. Well, and I think the fact that a lot of people didn't grow up watching art or don't appreciate art and then turn around and try to make Christian art is a lot of where you get some bad Christian art is like people don't understand yeah. um, how a good story works because they're coming at it from this. Mm. OK, well, here's an evil medium, but we're going to reclaim it. And then they make these movies that don't in any way reflect the quality of a good movie. And so I think, oh, I yeah, you yeah, you have to kind of love movies to make a good movie. Well, it's, it's getting kinda, better. It's getting better. It's kind, kind of, of strange. I mean, yeah, I don't know. What are some examples that you've seen where, where you've really picked up on a good Christian movie? Well, Passion of the Christ. Sure, sure, yeah. Mel yeah. But that was Mel Gibson, I mean, but that guy made Braveheart, too. So, I mean, I feel like the best Christian movies come more from people who are immersed in Hollywood, not like mm-hmm. uh, other avenues. I don't know. I'm a little skeptical with Christian movies. I it, I feel like there's a lot of good, like what I would consider a Christian movie, your conservative Christian would not consider a Christian movie. Wait I guess minute. that's where the difference is. So Wait I would consider minute. Tree of Life, for instance, Ooh, Terrence Malick's, yeah, yeah. a Christian movie. But there would be a lot of people I know that would say, well, the gospel isn't presented in it. Like, why is this a Christian movie? <laughs> and so I think the not. terms is kind of what, so, so what I would think other people that I know would deem a Christian movie, I've not seen much progress in that. But I, I agree that there's a lot of great movies filled with truth out there that I would call Christian. You know? I like God's Not Dead. Didn't you do. Didn't I did okay. because to me, when they were getting <laughs> Jonathan's response <laughs> was oh, like, did I give it away? "You do," because I yeah. thought it was crap. Sorry, oh, go ahead, Chad. Go ahead. It's okay. So- no, no, it's okay. It's, another, it's, okay. it's another one. Sorry. Okay, because I liked how the um, student who was um, debating with the professor really got into some things that you don't normally think about, and to me, that made it a good Christian movie. The ending, well, that was kind of... Well, we're obviously forgetting a classic, which was setting the standard and broke through to show how great Christian movies could be, and that's Left Behind with Nick Cage. Oh. Oh, of course. (laughs) How about the one from the Kurt Cameron one? No. Kurt Cameron, yeah. I don't know which one's worse. Carol, you were going to say something. You think it's strange? Well, it seems like the arts are often associated with education, you know, liberal arts and... um, You use that L word. Yeah, right. But for some reason, although most educational institutions in this country were started by religious groups, um, for some reason it seems that Christians have gotten so that they want to avoid education. At times, certain groups. Mm, I disagree with that. I do. I've, I've, I've had people criticize me 
that I've you know I've left the true faith because of working in a liberal you're you're an academic snob yeah right. that that very much exists um, that's there's not, it's not all of Christianity but no. there's definitely a pocket of Christianity that is afraid of education and that you feel like that ties into the arts I do. what do you think yeah. of that Jonathan well I just think I agree that there is a pocket of Christianity that is afraid of a lot of things and fear is kind of a motivating <laughs> yeah. factor in That's a lot true. of their theology yes. and a lot of the things that they condemn and I think it's a movement that has actually gained in popularity over the last decade um, mm-hmm. there's been a resurgence of it I so yeah so that's, I would agree with Carol I've not seen the education piece personally but I feel like that fear um, is is prevalent in, in the things they say but, well yeah. because you know young people they go off to college and then they just lose their faith and, and it, it must does, be the fault of the college it does happen it does lot. happen a lot yeah it does happen well, a lot i feel like a lot of times in christian families we have sheltered the kids so much yeah. that then when they go away to college it's their first time being exposed to a lot of these things like for me movies that was my first time experiencing cinema was after i went to college right so I think that in part it's because kids aren't given the opportunity to experience these things and then look at them through a Christian lens like you're doing. At least maybe this is just in my generation, but kids kids were kept from those things and then all of right. a sudden they're given this freedom in college and then, wow, that's really tempting to experience all those things and I want to experience these things so I can't do that and go to church I'm going to quit mm, church. It's got to be either or sometimes. Yeah. Not not all Christian families do this, no. but there are some that do. I'm not sure if it's so much that these people just quit going to church because they can't go to church. I think they fear the the way they'll be looked at. Right. Yeah, 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 you're exactly. right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. as for the educational aspect of things, I think it's not that religious people look at education negatively. I think it's the politics that's embedded in the religious um, religion, the conservative politics versus the liberalism of the universities University. that where they butt, but where they butt heads. Now, I'm not saying it's realistic, of course, because you're there. But what I am saying is that it's pounded in our heads that liberals are in colleges, yes. and if you're a Christian, you don't true. want no. to go to a liberal college. Right. Well, welcome to the political podcast, Jonathan. Yeah. Thanks for showing up and listening. <laughs> to get back to the movie, no, that's a good. It's a good segue because it all uh, does fit yeah. in. What do you, do you have? Anything to any comments on that? I think that's an important piece of it. I think the politics, the way that politics has merged with faith in those circles, has been mm. absolutely huge. And you're right. And basically, it's come to the point in some circles where anything that quote liberals think or believe must be wrong. And so even if objectively it's right and i think that's really that's really dangerous and that shows up yeah. in a lot of different spheres so yeah i would agree and I, I would even with the god's not dead i don't mean to to if you like the movie that's fantastic but i think that whole even taking that posture of we have to debate and we have to mm. prove that our way is the right way is exactly what has got us in this mess and so that's where um i'm not a huge fan of that but Something I put on Facebook page, my Facebook wall the other day because I was reading a book by Donald Miller called Searching for God Knows What. And uh, I, you know, I call him Don because, you know, I, we're, we're buddies. No, we're not. I met him <laughs> once. <laughs> but I got this whole thought of, as I was reading the book, I'm like, you know, if we are arguing about our faith, we've already lost. Not that you can't have argument as a 
a, a portion of sharing your faith with people and get into a lively debate. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if your point of sharing your faith is winning an argument, you've lost. Because you're I never love that gonna... quote. In fact, I did love it on Facebook. I thought it was well, an exceptional quote. Thank you, <laughs> yes, thank you Mr. Butrin, totally. which is why we have you on the podcast, because you like so much of my stuff. <laughs> well, and I think it goes goes back to your what you were saying about the separation of the secular, where instead of redeeming what's out there, there are people that are trying to create this other genre of film that's the Christian film, and it's not not incorporating Christianity into movies it's more making a new thing because it's not secular it's special and we're gonna actually we're gonna actually touch on that that's that's really a direction i want to go in a couple minutes but i do want to we have a lot of our listeners i know are conservative and so i also want to say because you know it was said in a minute ago and i agree with it that a lot of people who are conservatives think there's any type of a liberal tinge to something or a flavor of it, and they immediately reject it. And to be honest, there's a lot of liberals that think there's a conservative flavor to something, and they'll immediately reject it as well. I absolutely agree with that. And in fact, I think that you see this show up in secular critics when they review a movie. Oh, yeah. Basically, no matter how good your movie is, if you say Jesus more than a couple times, you're probably not going to get a great tomato reading. And I think this goes back to what we were talking about with Christian movies. So I saw Risen. And I thought that was an exceptional movie that came out a year and a half ago. That was mm-hmm. actually directed by the director who did Prince of Thieves. I don't know if you remember that with Kevin Costner yeah. back in the day. Oh, sure. But Robin he, Hood. Yeah. I think his name's Kevin Reynolds. But anyway, he's a, he's, it was a great movie. And then The Shack, I thought, was a very good movie. I think, I mean, I, you know, I would give it like a B, B plus. But still, the fact, the fact that it just got blasted yeah, by it, the critics, I think there is a bias there. I totally agree with you. Now, Jonathan, let me ask you this. And this kind of, uh, anybody can answer this, but with you really kind of examining movies and, and you know, being more of an expert, I think, than, than we are, did The Shack ever had a chance of being reviewed well? I don't know. I mean, it's a movie that's explicitly about having an encounter with God for a weekend. So, yeah, did it ever have a chance? I have no idea. Um, it's a good question. I Maybe not. Maybe not. I thought it was really well done. And, and just th- from a theological perspective, I was just so grateful to see something that, that presented really solid theology that um, I don't find in a lot of other more blatant Christian movies that I've seen. But, yeah, no. What do you guys think? Did it have a chance? I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think— Maybe, but I think just because of the content and the subject matter, uh, I think that I think a lot of critics, you know, having been people who've come out of so-called liberal universities and and probably being involved in Hollywood, which certainly is full of a lot of left-leaning individuals or very, very solidly in the left, you know, like an Alec Baldwin, um, they're going to look at that movie and go, yeah, this is kind of crazy. But hey, I watched Lord of the Rings, so it's just as much fantasy as that is. The Shack's not putting itself out there as fantasy, although I haven't seen it yet because it's going to destroy me. <laughs> I will I will cry like a, like a little baby because I have two daughters and I read the book and the book killed me. Did you guys think the Shaq had a chance of being reviewed well, honestly? I think he was a phenomenal basketball player. Not the uh, same thing? He not went the same there. thing? He uh, went there. I was going to go there because I'd never seen the movie. And We love Chad. That was a great to. meme. That went around and made it the was. rounds. That was fantastic. I used to attend Mars Hill and, and listen to Rob Bell, and uh, who I have met, so I consider us friends too, just like me and Don Miller. He said one time, if he was going to write a new book, he was going to call it The Purpose Driven Shack of Jabez. <laughs> there you go. Sure wow. to sell millions of copies. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Never mind. 
<laughs> so on your website, Jonathan, um, as we're talking, so you're, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Chad, for the crickets. Let me ask you this. What do you think the main makeup of your audience is and what type of feedback do you get from your audience for your podcast and your website? Hmm. I think the target audience would be people who are fam- who probably were a lot like me raised in a conservative um vantage point and i think because the great thing about being raised conservative and i'm very grateful i was is that conservatives know how to give you a foundation of theology like no other i'm mm-hmm. i learned the I, I learned scripture in Awana. You know, I like I, I learned the gospel. I learned the basics. And I think that's so important. I would have if if I'm I'm so glad that I had that foundation before I drifted more towards I don't know, I hate saying the left, but I mean yeah. you know, more yeah. in that direction than if I would have started from that vantage point because I'm so grateful for that foundation. So probably people who have a foundation and a knowledge of Christ and Scripture and then but also have um relish the freedom like we do to actually appreciate good art and not um, discount a movie just because it's rated R. So that's probably our target audience. I don't think conservatives would like us too much. Um, and I don't. And again, we're kind of we're kind of the, the shack audience. Yeah, I don't think yeah. too many conservatives would like us, and I don't think too many people who could care less about Jesus would like us. So yeah, we're kind of there. <laughs> not to get into this subject, but I feel like there is this very traditional wave of Christians that are out there. And then you have this wave of people that were traditionally very not into the church. And I feel like there is this movement towards the middle of those two where people who are becoming more spiritually sensitive and and like they're very interested in spirituality. And now they're not afraid to say that anymore. It's very okay to say that. Thanks in part to people like Oprah Winfrey. And now there's some danger in that. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I agree, and I I hate pr- I I see dangers on both sides of the fence, and Absolutely. I think it's always important that we that we keep that. It's not about oh this side has complete truth because I the danger I see on the more progressive end of things is there is often. It can turn into just sort of Jesus being an add-on, sort of a self-help, sort <laughs> yeah. of um, yeah. here's a great nugget of truth from the Gospels to get you and on your way. And I feel like we lose that side loses the fact sometimes that Jesus is Lord, and this is That's about right. a kingdom that we're yeah. a part right. of, and that yeah. Jesus isn't just a, uh, a a the greatest teacher. He's Lord of the universe that we're actually obedient to, and we're, we wake up and we die to ourselves and follow every day. So I, that's that's the problem I see on the other side. So I don't want to paint um, with a broad brush on either side. I I like to think that I've landed in the middle, and I hope I have, but, um, you know, who knows? Well, and and it's hard because this newer group isn't traditionally, it doesn't seem like it's got a lot of cohesion yet, and so I think people are still trying to explore this. Now, there's there's always been people in this middle space, Um, but then there's people in the church that are just like, you know, I just don't buy some of the dogma anymore and some Mm -hmm. of the apologetic way of thinking and so I'm looking for something that seems a little bit more not, and of course the big, the first thing that people are going to say is you're just trying to be soft on sin or you're not taking Jesus seriously. But I think I agree a hundred percent with everything you said about Jesus and I'm right there with you, but there seems to be this movement. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. 
Well, I think the movement, at least the movement that I see, that I that I feel like there maybe even I could say there's been a bit of a revival among the, my generation is basically reframing. It's not that we're losing any of the theological concepts. It's just that we're reframing them. So it's mm. getting to the fact that God is love, pure love, and that he has, that he loves everybody. That's kind of the place you have to start. I have an issue with the idea of saying that it was reframed. Why? Because to reframe it would make it sound like you're making it something different than it actually is. There's absolutes, yeah. and we cannot veer away from the absolutes. And when you say the word reframe, it's almost as if you're saying, well, we're going to take this belief, and we're going to make it like this instead. No, but when you think about a picture, Chad, and you reframe, reframe a picture, you don't change the picture. Right. Yeah, but you're I just think- changing the edge of it. It's to Im- make it look better where it's hanging. It's important. <laughs> it's important, though, to define terms because when somebody uses a term and the other person says, "This is what that term means to me," and then you yeah. can come back and go, "Well, that's not what I right. I can understand right. that that meant to you, but the that's not what I same. meant." So, yeah. by Jonathan, by saying reframe, are you saying we have to take the essentials, the absolute of the faith, and now we change the absolutes? Are we no, so by no means. I explain. just think we have to get back to the purity of Jesus being the central focus and actually getting mm-hmm. back to a theology that's biblical. I think yeah. it's going back to the source personally, but I know everyone has their own opinion of what the source is. Of course. But I just we're we're keeping I mean we're we're returning to the fundamentals, which I think if you look so so I guess the example I was gonna bring up was sin. So cause you mentioned it. So we don't so it's basically like you start with the fact that God loves everybody and but but you but so there was this theology that we got inherited where basically we're all bad we all we're all bad god doesn't god hates us because he's holy and we're sinners and we have to basically come to a point where we accept him and then he's going to take his lightning bolt and he's going to put it on jesus instead of us and then he'll turn around and he'll love us forever and so i want to say is that in fact god loves us um from the moment we're born right. he's been with us he's he, he, he so so his 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 arms are open to us because of of the cross it, the bible says that that while we were still sinners christ died for us so clearly yeah. he loved us while we were still sinners and instead of it being like oh i have to do something for god to love me it's that actually god's always loved me but i mm-hmm. do have to accept that love for it to actually right. have any um healing any 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 um work in my life so when paul says should we go on sinning so that grace may increase well i think it's important to say he could only ask that question if he believed in some in a love that was that radical. If you believe that Mm -hmm. if you go too far, God's going to kill you and God hates you, you can't get to this place where, well, should we just go on sinning? But if you understand love as that conditional, you should be able to say, yes, no, should we just go on sinning? But the answer is no, but not because God is going to destroy us, but because sin is going to destroy us if we let it unchecked in our lives. That's the point, I think, is that we're we're not saved from God. We're saved from sin. I think that's a fundamental change that happened for me. So you can call that I don't. Maybe reframing is a bad word. I don't know what you would call that, Chad. But uh, it's just getting back to me to the to the the meat of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, let me clarify that. When I say reframe, I'm saying that is how someone can interpret it. That does not necessarily mean how I interpret it. Okay. And sure, then I want to sure. I want to touch on what you just said because it was very powerful. John three sixteen. I've heard that. It one. starts out with for God so loved that. So yeah. in other words, he loved first then sent Christ, which is exactly what you're saying. A lot of people who live their lives as if God hates you until you accept Christ, 
they are not looking at John 3.16 in its simplicity. But a lot of Christians look at unbelievers like they should be hated until they accept Christ. Yeah, unfortunately, I, and there is again. They were talking about that that same pocket, I believe, which is really it's there. Unfortunately, and it's and it's it's hard because we want to call them out without picking on them. Now, I, I've been talking with this actually an old friend of Carol's who's an atheist on Facebook, and he's very interested in spirituality, um, while being a very staunch atheist and a very intelligent guy. Um, and he's you know coming after me, and he's not coming after me in a bad <laughs> way, but he's he's aggressive in his questioning, which is fine. But it's interesting because he's like he brings he, he knows the Bible well and he brings up all the horrible things that God did in the Old Testament you know and and you, if you read the Old Testament and you have you have no questions as to what God did I would love to have a conversation with you I put that in the the box of God's sovereignty I don't understand exactly why it had to be that way but I figure God knows more than I do but as I was arguing with Mister Jerome. Um, I realized, like, he's like, so I finally had to realize I got to stop being defensive. He's not attacking me. He's just asking how I believe and why I believe. And I had to come back and really realize, like, my friend, I look at the whole Bible through the lens of Jesus Christ. That's how I can view it and understand. Well, the Bible teaches us to look at look at the Bible that way. I mean, if you think about it, Hebrews um, 1 says that Jesus is the perfect imprint of God's nature. So if you want to know exactly what God is like, you can rely on the revelation of Jesus. And I don't know how you can get to God hates us when you have a Savior who's going around loving people at every turn and then even instructs us to love our enemies. Mm-hmm. So the question is, we're supposed to love our enemies, but God doesn't? That doesn't make sense to me. That's right. interesting point. Hmm. That's deep. I like it. It's funny because I wanted to just go back to this little spot. We talked about the the people who were non-spiritual, either grew up in the church and have rejected it, and now they're kind of starting to wander back. And just we got to be careful that Jesus doesn't just become a plus one, you know, that Jesus mm. just becomes like, we're going to throw his name out there, and yeah, we think he was cool, but we don't recognize him as who he is. And, of course, we think that's critical. Boy, this has been a really interesting conversation. So what we do a lot of times, Jonathan, and and this is something I was thinking about anyway, is that uh, I was thinking if this podcast went well, we'll just have to have you back on. I would love that. This is actually, I was so nervous going into this, and I'm really comfortable talking to you guys. You guys are very welcoming, and uh, (laughs) it's going really good. So thank you. Absolutely. Um, So one of the questions that I really wanted to ask is this, and you kind of touched on it before. And that, so my question is, what was one of the most, and I'm using quotes, Christian movies you've ever seen that wasn't a Christian movie? Hmm. Well, I would have to go, and I did mention it, but I would have to say The Tree of Life is the most, um, of the last, of the, what do you call this era? The, the zero zeros, the, the I don't whatever this era is. Um, post 2000, I would say The Tree of Life is the most Christian movie that's been made and also one of the best. It's in my top five at least. And, and I feel like that movie is basically the whole gospel journey from creation, fall, redemption, consummation in a movie in the most poetic, elegant, artistic way possible. And, um, 
it's just filled with imagery and and also very explicit references to God. I mean, at one point, Jessica Chastain points to the sky and says, that's where God lives. And you basically have this contrast between Brad Pitt representing the law and Jessica Chastain's character representing grace mm. and that, that tug and pull there. And then you actually have this beautiful moment at the end where where it's the consummation of all things, where where family members are reconciled and, and, and people are around this beach and they're falling on their knees. I just think it's the most beautiful wow. movie. Yeah. Why haven't I heard about this movie? It's not oh, please super watch well it. known. It, what I, else has Malick I made? I wrote it down. I'm going to watch it. What else has Terrence Malick? Um, I know he's he's a very he's a renowned director. I mean, those are big names that are in that movie. I've heard of it. What yeah. else has he done? Do you know? Here's the problem with Terrence Malick. He made okay, so he made a movie called what was the um, the older one? Will be the Thin Red Line. You probably heard of that. I have heard of that. Yes, that that's a war movie or, from yeah. back in the 90s um, that had a ton of big name actors in it. And so that was a really good movie. He started off way back in the day. I forget his oh, Days of Heaven, I think, was one of his earliest movies. Mm. Um, but anyway, so he made yeah. Thin Red Line. He made The Tree of Life. After The Tree of Life, he basically went off on this self-indulgent tangent and everything he's made since then has been pretty dreadful i'll be oh. honest with you so i would start with the tree of life to appreciate malik and i would avoid his latest movies the latest one was song to song which was yeah. very tough to sit through he went to a very self-indulgent period but um please see the tree of life i think you guys will get a lot out of it he did dirty harry what i don't believe so no screenplay what really that's maybe what on that's IMDb. on the 70s screenplay. all right that's weird you know, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> go ahead, make my film. Sorry, I'm I'm listening to more and more, and this is happening more and more, Jonathan. In that, uh, you have artists who are Christians, like let's take Bono, um, my hero, and other people who are like, I'm absolutely a Christian, and they're like, well, are you making Christian music? And they're like, no, I'm, I'm making music. I mean, mm. music doesn't get saved now, and, and of course, there's worship music, and that's that's different, but like. There's people who are like, I'm, I'm not making Christian music or secular music or anything. I'm making music out of my heart and my talent base. And I think maybe are we starting to get to a place where people are doing that with movies? I'm just making a movie. I'm not trying to make a Christian movie. I'm trying to make a movie. Yeah, music is really hard because music, on the one hand, I totally sympathize with people who say that. Like, I felt really bad for Jars of Clay back in the day when oh, yeah. they were, they, you know, Dan, if you read Dan Hasseltine's blog, he has so much bitterness from back in the day when they basically made their self titled album, which was extremely popular across it. both secular and Christian platforms. And then all of a sudden it came out that they were a Christian band and everything got backlash. And then they made Much Afraid, which the Christians thought was too secular. And it just, <laughs> it turned into a mess. And so I totally sympathize with people who are just like, oh, it's just music. On the other hand, I value worship music. One of my favorite bands ever is Delirious. Oh, yeah. Um, they're a Good. British band. Yeah. And uh, they are, I listen to them almost every day specifically because they bring me into the presence of God. Mm. So I don't really know what to do with that because on the one hand, as a, when, from a movie perspective, I'm just like, it's just a movie. Don't separate it. But from a music perspective, I'm fine with the separation. Are you? I don't know. It's interesting because I have been in some concerts and listened to some songs, some of the groups I like, where I have had what I would definitely term spiritual experiences. And I know the people who wrote the music weren't believers in Christ. And certainly I think music can be very anti-Christ. And, mm. uh, and I think that, you know, I, which leads yeah. me to my next question. Well, so can movies. 
Well, absolutely. Which which brings me to my next question is this: Is do you think there are some movies that Christians don't have any? They shouldn't watch at all. Like there's no. I mean, it's hard no to say that. Def- value. Yeah, this isn't like Paul said. You know, is there anything any benefit to this? Yes. Um, now. I would say that it is to an extent specific to the person. We all, the Holy Spirit's inside of each of us, and we all have different sensitivities, okay? So I am very sensitive to movies that have sexual content. I I tend to avoid those at all costs because that is something that relates to my past, and I think everyone has kind of different sensitivities along that line. On the other hand, um, I do think that there are movies that just flat out a Christian doesn't have to watch or doesn't have any business watching. I would say Fifty Shades of Grey, for instance. Well, there's, I, there's no way to justify. I would say there's no business movie. any person has in watching that. <laughs> dribble, well, it's a terrible anyway. movie anyway. Yeah. I'm sure. Did I you watch? You didn't I mean, watch yes, it then? All, by all accounts, it's terrible anyway. But okay. but you know, I think we have to get back to um, one of my friends who I do a podcast with. He his name's Tim Nelson. Shout out, he's the best. Um, Timmy. He has a great definition for. Oh, sorry, were you gonna say something? No, I, I know him. Oh, I know he Tim. says that about everyone. <laughs> and Dan Baker, you know all my yeah, friends. It's so fascinating. Yeah, you two don't know each other. No, well, we kind of, yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're getting to know each other. You're like friends in laws. Yes. <laughs> friends in laws. Yeah, so anyway, you were anyway, saying. So he says the de- his definition of offensive is something is offensive if it's not true. Hmm. And I really like that definition of offensive because I think if you, it works. If you, if, you, if you look at porn, why is pornography or movies like Fifty Shades of Grey, who are basically is soft pornography, why mm-hmm. is it offensive? It's because it's presenting this harmful relationship of just like, um, you know, in pornography, just like uh, uh, having sex with random people as this amazing, fun, wonderful time when we all know that that is something that has tremendous consequences. And I think that gets to the heart of why movies that on the surface, if you just write down the amount of swear words and violent scenes and everything can look terrible, can actually be incredibly redemptive because it's showing the consequences of sin, which is something the Bible certainly doesn't shy away from at every turn. And so I think it's important to keep that definition in mind. Something that is glorifying evil mm. and that doesn't show the consequences of evil would be something that a Christian should be very hesitant to watch. Interesting. And it's and, and I think to some extent that does go back to the individual and what's happening within their own conscience. But I, is for me, I have a hard time, and this is just me, and I realize it's me, but I have a hard time with horror. Like, you know, I mean, I think the Bible's pretty clear on where fear and what that's going on there. And so I, sorry, horror film lovers, and I have friends of mine who I know are very staunch believers in Christ, very, very much Christians, and they love horror films, and I just don't get it. I do like horror movies. I, I, I know it is something I wrestle Ew. with because I do feel like there it is hard to make a blanket case for horror movies because we are supposed to not give in to fear, and you are going to see a horror movie to be scared. That is the point. Um, you could make an argument that it is uh, showing you the opposite of redemption, you know, but that's a slippery slope that you can get into. You could say, mm-hmm. "Well, I'm watching pornography because it's showing me what not to do," and that's terrible. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, so I mean, to wow. an extent, though. You can say, "Oh, you know, when you when you when you encounter this character encounters fear, and then evil is defeated, and they see hope at the end." It's like kind of a microcosm of redemption, but it is more of I would say I'd have to say the old guilty pleasure term would be horror, and I do enjoy horror, but it is hard to make a case for it. I'll, I'll guarantee grant you that. Okay, okay. Have you guys seen Wonder Woman? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I I was listening to your podcast here about Guardians too, 
I don't totally yeah. agree with you on that one, buddy. I think well, that's, okay. that's for another time. No um, one does. <laughs> I think I just had a bad meal that day. But you know and, what? Sometimes uh, that yeah, happens. Okay. Sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, you're like, eh, it didn't work for me. And you watch it later and you're like, what? Did, why didn't I like this? This was really good. Absolutely. Um, so you think you were just crabby? Is that what's going I, on? I, it must be because more than anything I've ever said, that one is people are like, "You what are you? You're crazy. So I, I think I need to watch it again. I must have been off that day. It's okay. It happens. No, it's fine. I get it. I mean, there's there's definitely movies that are well-reviewed that I, like Office Space, I just didn't think it was funny. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. are like stunned. They throw <laughs> things at me. It's not nice. Um, Can I just maybe take it or leave it? But um, yeah. I saw Wonder Woman recently, and I well, have something that stood the, out to me. Yeah, you yeah, can, go. You can Absolutely. Leave it out if you want. No, but no. one thing that I was struck me was I was watching Wonder Woman. Do you remember the scene where they're going away to from the island where Chris Pine is leaving the island with Diana? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, she goes on and on about how you know, hey, all you have to do is you have to bring me to um, to Ares, and then the yeah. whole war will be over and yep. everything yeah. will be fine. Yep. And there's this moment where Chris Pine looks at her and is just like, um, you can tell that he want. There's an instinct in him that wants to be like, "You're crazy. I've been to this war. It's not. There's no Aries. It's not as simple as as that." Right. But he doesn't, and he just looks at her and says, "Great." And <laughs> I feel like that really struck me because it was like the sincerity of her belief capture. Let yeah. him capture for a moment mm. a vision of like, what if it really was that simple? It was like and he wanted that was to believe it. That's a huge takeaway for me as a yeah. Christian because I feel like. That's our job is to yeah. sort of get people to catch a vision and and having us the sincerity of belief where because our belief is in is Jesus isn't too much crazier to a lot of people than Diana's belief oh, about Aries. We believe there actually is an invisible savior who's going to come back someday and save the whole world, right? And yeah. I feel like presenting that sincerely to people is an important thing and maybe for just a moment like Chris Pine they can look and they can catch that vision and say what if what if that's true? And uh, and I just thought that was really profound. So anyway, I, I yeah. like. Can I? No, go ahead. Can I add something that I thought was really profound? Yeah. Yes. I loved that when she realized that he was right. There wasn't. It wasn't that simple, and that there wasn't just this god named Darius. And if she defeated, well, there was. But if she defeated him, the war wouldn't end. That mm-hmm. there was a problem with people. Yeah. She didn't just give up. She mm. she embraced it. She was like. They're well, I'm going to stay with these people. Yeah. They're still worth saving. I'm still going to work for them. I'm still going to fight for what's right, even if and I how, was wrong. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. There's a couple things I love. I'm going to rattle these off real quickly. My favorite parts of the movie are, number one, like uh, in that boat scene, I remember, and he, she's explaining that Zeus is her father and her mother formed her out of clay or something, and he goes, well, that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you're right. Is people hear our story and they're like, well, that's just as your story is just as crazy um, as hers was, and so that means you guys are crazy. But the sincerity of her belief and passion captivated him, and I 100% agree. That's what we're supposed to do yeah. in a story that to some people seems like nonsense. Which reminds me of Hacksaw Ridge and Desmond mm. Doss, and they're like so they didn't agree with him, but they're like at the end of the movie, they're like, we can't go out until this guy's done praying. I'm not gonna <laughs> pray, but I want him to do it. Great. That was a great movie. Great recent example of a faith film, yeah. And then Mel Gibson again. The, and he's nutty, but... Mel Gibson? Hey. Um, so, and I've never met Mel Gibson, by the way. Uh, the other scene I love is when they show her the sword they think is the god killer. And, the little, and her mom's explaining to her how she's not 
vicious enough or aggressive enough or she doesn't have what it takes. And the little girl they cast has the perfect little look of not defiance, but an I'll show you look on her face. She gets this little grin on her face. Beautiful moment in the movie. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, I, it was, it, feminism is a is something we should all be passionate about, and um, I think you know the fact that this is the first was something. Someone said something like this is the first female directed movie to gross over a hundred million dollars or something. Wow. I, that's that's crazy, and and so I think this movie is taking some steps forward in that, and I think that should be applauded. I also liked um, the scene at the end. Mild spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen it, but the scene with Doctor Poison, where she's holding the, where Diana's holding the rock over her head, and she has every re- uh, the power to mm-hmm. kill um, Doctor Poison, and she looks and sees her, even in her her ugly ugliness of her face and everything, and mm-hmm. just says she sees the uh, the Imago Dei in her for just a moment and uh, doesn't kill her. And I think that's a beautiful example of what it means to love your enemies. I had one more little thing that I liked in that movie. <laughs> In the battle scene, when she plunges the god killer sword into Ares, and he and he kind of laughs at her and says that all along, it wasn't the sword that was the god killer; it was her. And it struck mm. me how often we ascribe power to objects and neglect the strength that God has given us, and we make things more important in the sense of. I don't want to be offensive here. My first, my first thought is the Bible. I remember growing up with the Bible. You had to be very careful with your Bible, and you never put it on the floor. And right. you know, just we treat these objects with respect. And yeah, there is a degree of respect there, but it's not a magic thing. I mean, the yep. the strength is in the spirit, not in any object. And I just thought that was that was a powerful moment when he said, "You, it's you." I also That's beautiful. It yeah. is. I also love the scene when she's about to fight the guy she thinks. Again, spoilers. Mm-hmm. So stop turning this off. If you haven't seen it, you don't <laughs> want to hear. Just turn it off. Turn it back on in a couple minutes. Um, is the scene when she thinks she's fighting the guy she thinks is Ares, and she gets that little grin on her face, and she's ready to go. Because mm-hmm. I love the way they portrayed femininity as she is strong, and she will totally kick your butt if you are opposing people, mm-hmm. but she also have the sensitivity and compassion that you normally associate mm-hmm. with something feminine. My last question for you. Okay. And this will be quick. Can you name, you mentioned your top five movies. We know Tree of Life is on there. I want five of your top movies since the year 2000, or even before. Just five of your top movies of all time. If you can rattle those off. Whew. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring would be on there. Little indie film. You probably haven't yeah, heard of it. Little just, indie film. I watch kidding. that every year around Christmas time. It's it's a movie I cherish. Still cry every time Gandalf dies. Aww. Unashamed. Spoilers. I love that movie. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Schindler's List uh, is oh, yeah. definitely up there. Um, I love, uh, you know, so two of my best theater experiences I ever had were The Matrix. Mm. I remember seeing The Matrix <laughs> in the theaters, and it was like anything we've never seen before. And I remember people literally gasping mm. in the theater as they watched Trinity, like, climb all over the walls or, or stomp all over the walls. It was just That's the most... Fun incredible experience and then um the sixth sense was actually an, a really wonderful theater experience that i remember too because mm. that w- that was before the twist ending became like commonplace that was like the first big twist ending that you just didn't see coming and mm-hmm. it made you change your perception about the entire movie mm-hmm. i remember sitting there with my friends for 10 minutes just <laughs> just stunned like replaying the movie like how is this possible so those are some those are some favorites i mean i have so right. many oh but, i know uh, yeah well, we, we got to wrap. Um, yeah. Very much appreciate you being on the show. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, edition of An Open Letter. 
focusing on movies and from a faith-based perspective. Uh, you can find Jonathan, again, all you have to do is Google Cinema Faith, look for the hubcap in place of the sea. Just kidding, it's a movie reel. And you can read reviews, you can listen to his podcast, there's some really good content on there, and there will be some directions if you want to get a hold of Jonathan. Uh, I guarantee you we're going to have him on again. So again, this is an open letter. If you want to give us feedback, we need it. Uh, Jonathan can back me up. It's really helpful to get feedback from our listeners to get an idea of what you like and even what you don't like. So we can uh, we can get better in the show. So go to our Facebook page, which is An Open Letter, or email us at an open letter to you, the number two, the letter U, at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and hope you enjoy the rest of your day and or night. Thank you so much.